0: Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Thursday, January 4th. Today, we delve into the challenges of tracking giraffes and how new technology is aiding scientists in protecting this beloved species, and we'll also discuss what to expect in the world of science in 2024. Plus, we'll explore the question, why do science, and delve into the science behind the deadly earthquakes in Japan. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Science Station. Please enjoy today's selection of science news. Giraffes, with their unique silhouettes and graceful gait, are a familiar sight for many of us. However, their population is quietly dwindling, leading some to refer to it as a silent extinction. Charlotte, could you tell us more about this situation?
1: Absolutely, Diego. Despite their iconic status, giraffes are facing a serious decline in numbers, Over the past few decades, the expansion of agriculture and human communities across Africa has led to a 40% decline in the four giraffe species since 1985. The Nubian giraffe, a critically endangered subspecies, has seen a staggering 95% loss in population, leaving only around 3,000 animals today.
0: That's alarming. What steps are being taken to address this?
1: Well, the Giraffe Conservation Foundation, or GCF, has partnered with African Parks and the South Sudanese government to manage Badindjulo and Boma National Parks, both strongholds for the Nubian giraffe. They're working to track, study, and protect these animals. But tracking giraffes isn't easy. Traditional GPS collars don't work well due to the giraffe's unique neck structure. However, recent technological advances have led to smaller, solar-powered trackers that can be attached to a giraffe's tail or ear. These new trackers are less obtrusive and can last a year or more.
0: How will these trackers help in the conservation efforts?
1: These trackers will provide valuable data on the giraffe's habitats and routes within the parks. This information can help in expanding the parks, increasing patrols to limit poaching, and educating local communities about conservation. As Julian Fennessy, co-founder and conservation director of GCF puts it, we can't conserve what we don't understand.
0: Indeed, understanding is the first step towards conservation. Thanks for shedding light on this, Charlotte. As we pivot from the present to the future, There are some significant scientific events on the horizon. Today, we're discussing what to expect in 2024. Charlotte, could you give us an overview?
1: Absolutely, Diego. There are several key events that scientists and enthusiasts alike should keep an eye on. First, we're expecting to learn more about the mass of the neutrino, a subatomic particle that's been puzzling physicists for decades. There's also anticipated progress in understanding the neural basis of consciousness, a topic that sits at the intersection of neuroscience and philosophy.
0: Those are some heavy topics. What about the climate lawsuits at The Hague? Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yes, the climate lawsuits at The Hague are another significant event to watch. These lawsuits represent a growing trend of using legal avenues to address environmental issues. They could set important precedents for holding corporations and governments accountable for their contributions to climate change. The outcomes of these cases could have far-reaching implications for climate policy and corporate responsibility.
0: It seems like 2024 will be a pivotal year for science. Thanks for sharing these insights, Charlotte. Meanwhile, in the world of science, we often get so caught up in the details of our research that we forget to step back and consider the bigger picture. Recently, a group of scientists at the University of Verona in Italy took some time to reflect on a simple yet profound question. Why do you do science? Charlotte, could you share more about this?
1: Absolutely, Diego. This discussion was initiated by two researchers, one of whom had participated in a similar conversation at Erasmus University, Rotterdam. They brought the idea back to their lab in Verona, and their mentor, computational geneticist Giovanni Malerba, was enthusiastic about it. They posed the question to their fellow lab members, but asked them to save their answers for a special lab meeting.
0: So what did they find? What drives these scientists to do what they do?
1: Well, the responses were quite varied, but all were deeply personal. The most senior members of the lab reported that they were driven by an existential need to satisfy their curiosity and thirst for knowledge. Early career researchers saw science as a way to unravel complex puzzles and build a better future. Some, particularly those from low-income countries and undergraduate students, felt a strong call to address immediate social needs and improve people's lives today. And some simply found science fun.
0: It sounds like this was a valuable exercise for the team.
1: Indeed, Diego. The discussion allowed them to explore aspects of their personalities that often remain hidden during everyday work. They felt more connected as a group and validated in their pursuits. It also served as a reminder to step back from daily responsibilities and regain focus on the big picture. They found the experience so beneficial that they plan to make it a yearly event.
0: A great reminder of the importance of reflection and connection in any field. Thanks for sharing, Charlotte. In a shift from the world of introspection to the real-world events, this week, Japan has been rocked by a series of powerful earthquakes, causing significant loss of life and damage to buildings. Charlotte, can you provide some context on the situation?
1: Absolutely, Diego. A magnitude 7.6 earthquake hit Ishikawa Prefecture on Japan's main island, Honshu, on January 1st. It was the strongest quake to occur in the prefecture in over a century, prompting tsunami warnings and causing ocean waves to reach over one meter high in some coastal areas. By the following morning, the Japan Meteorological Agency had recorded a further 146 smaller earthquakes on Ishikawa's Noto Peninsula. The tremors have resulted in more than 60 deaths, with reports of dozens more more expected as rescue teams search through the rubble.
0: That's devastating. Can you explain why Japan is so prone to earthquakes?
1: Japan sits on top of four converging tectonic plates that constantly grind together, making it one of the most earthquake-prone countries in the world. Around 1,500 earthquakes strike the country every year, although most are too mild to be felt. The earthquakes in Ishikawa are triggered by faults within the tectonic plate itself, which are put under pressure when the tectonic plates push against each other.
0: And what about the aftershocks? Why have there been so many?
1: The main magnitude 7.6 earthquake probably originated in a 150 kilometer long fault beneath the Noto Peninsula. This giant fracture is of a type known as a reverse fault, which occurs when one slab of rock moves on top of another. Multiple fault ruptures inside the plate probably triggered the aftershocks that followed the larger earthquake. Studies have also shown that fluids deep inside Earth's crust could drive earthquakes in Ishikawa. As these fluids well up through the crust, they can weaken the fault zone and cause it to slip leading to a series of aftershocks following a main earthquake.
0: How has Japan responded to these earthquakes and the subsequent
1: aftershocks? Since the 2011 Tohoku event, Japan has improved its earthquake early warning systems. Shortly after the magnitude 7.6 earthquake hit Ishikawa, the Japan Meteorological Agency issued a major tsunami warning and called on residents to evacuate to higher ground. However, the aftershocks have made it difficult for rescue teams to retrieve people who are trapped under the ruins of fallen buildings, and they could cause further damage to already weakened structures.
0: It's a challenging situation. Thanks for your insights, Charlotte. All right, that wraps up our stories for today, and we appreciate you tuning in to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.